Hello, everyone, and welcome to a summertime edition of Career Education Report. I'm Dr. Jason Altmeyer, and we have a guest today that I know you have heard and read. Michael Stratford is one of the leading higher education writers in all of Washington, D.C. He is the senior education writer for Politico. He's been doing that for about six years. Before that, he was at Inside Higher Ed, and he's also had bylines at the Associated Press, the Chronicle of Higher Education. And uh, Michael, you've been a journalist your whole career. You started at Cornell University. You were the managing editor of the Cornell Daily Sun. So you could have gone any direction in journalism. It's obviously your passion. What is it about education and particularly higher education that made you want to go in that direction? I sort of fell into uh, educational reporting a little bit. I've always been interested in policy and politics and came to Washington, I guess, a little over a decade ago now. Got an internship at the Chronicle of Higher Education, which was a really great place to learn the ins and outs of higher education journalism and learn some from some really great reporters there. And always focused on the sort of intersection of higher education policy and politics. And I got to cover the 2012 election, for instance, at the Chronicle of Higher Ed. And that's, of course, now what I do a lot of at Politico. We're sort of at this intersection of looking at education policy and and the merits of different policies, but also with that political angle of understanding how politics are shaping the the policies that that come out of of Washington on Politico on a wide range of issues, but of course I focus on education. And I think that is one of the things that separates you and your work from some of the others in, in the same field and who are covering higher education is you do a very good job of working in the political discussion, the politics of the issue. And that's very important. We, we obviously at CQ, career education colleges and universities, we represent the proprietary sector, and there's a lot of politics that goes into the discussions of our issues, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But you've been doing this now through three different presidential administrations, two of which were fairly similar, and in fact, many of the same people are at the Department of Education, and I assume would be your same sources on some of these things, and obviously are pushing many of the same policies. But that administration in between, of course, was quite different than those two. So how have you seen from a reporter's perspective the difference, not just in policy, but in access to information and and the way you do your job as a reporter? I think, actually, some people might be surprised at how on that issue, It's usually the case that the government has their policies and agenda and information, and they want to manage that information regardless of what the policy agenda is. So obviously, as you're alluding to, the Trump administration had a very different vision for a lot of different things, including education policy, than than do the the Obama and Biden administrations. But, you know, I mean, I am... A reporter trying to get access to decision makers at the education department. And that is sort of consistent in that, you know, the department wants to um, be in control of the message and release information on their schedule and their timetable that serves them. My FOIA requests haven't 
been uh, <laughs> been answered any more slowly or quickly during any three of those administrations. So, you know, while the, the substance of the policy changes, I think that dynamic between reporters who are always trying to get information and the government that doesn't want to give it remains. We have found in the last year and a half an incredible amount of coordination that exists in the administration between the issues that they happen to be covering or pushing out or having a a hearing before Congress or, or the negotiated rulemaking sessions and whatever the topic of the day happens to be. Miraculously, there will often be a story about that very issue in the media on that day, or a study will come out from a think tank on that issue on that day. Have you found that this administration is better or does that more than previous administrations? Is it unusual or is it something that they all try to do? I think they all try to do that to a certain extent. And sometimes it's hard to know exactly what the what the coordination is. I, you know, I caution when I write a story, sometimes people will try to take guesses at who who my sources are or where the story originated or came from. And oftentimes they're wrong. <laughs> and that people assume that something is like a strategic leak or a trial balloon that was intentionally floated. And sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes I want to, you know, say like, no, I, I worked really hard to, <laughs> to pry that, that nugget loose. I mean, certainly that's, of course, has been the case across many administrations. There are times where they you know, we'll strategically give something to a reporter ahead of time. But in terms of coordination, I think it's probably certainly the case that in the Biden administration, the, as you mentioned, the, some of the education policy folks have been around for a while, have worked with each other for some time. And so there's a bit more of a apparatus, I would say, than there was in the Trump administration. I mean, first of all, I think the education policy apparatus for conservatives is a little smaller in general than it is for for Democrats. It just seems like there are a lot more people in the Democratic world who work on federal education policy issues. And then certainly in the Trump administration, there was that further divide of whether you're like a Trump person or, or not a Trump conservative. And that split across the education world as well. So the universe was just smaller, I guess, for that type of coordination to to happen. And there's a smaller world of, you know, there's only a handful of outside sort of think tank world type people on the conservative side. That's a bigger universe on the Democratic side. So I guess there's more opportunity to coordinate to a certain extent during this administration. So that might explain some, some of it. In keeping with that theme, but more issue-oriented on something that you were reporting about recently. You reported on the Republican lawmakers who accused the Department of Education of colluding in the dark with the CFPB. And you covered education news during those three administrations. And I, I was just curious if the U.S. Department of Education and consumer organizations like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and the FTC if that has changed, have you noticed a difference across administrations? I think the dynamic was different during sort of towards the tail end of the Obama administration. There was a lot of pressure from the CFPB on the education department, basically trying to push the department on, on certain issues. 
and that was the dynamic at the end of the Obama administration. Sort of some kind of a weird position at the beginning of the Trump administration, because as you'll remember, Rich Cordray, who was then the director of the CFPB, actually stayed on for, I think, the first eight, nine, ten months of the Trump administration. So the CFPB at, at first during the Trump administration was led by an Obama appointee. So that, I think, kind of created an interesting dynamic. You know, that letter you referenced was in part about these information sharing agreements that the CFPB has with the education department that the Trump education department canceled over the protest of the CFPB during the Trump administration, though, while it was led by an Obama appointee. So there was kind of an interesting dynamic there. And now in the Biden administration, of course, I mean, it's obvious that the, the people who are working at the CFPB, some of the people who are working at the CFPB during the Obama administration are now uh, working in the education department led by FSA Rich Cordray, and he has other folks who he's brought in. And at the CFPB, you have uh, the agency led by Rohit Chopra, who, of course, had a stint at the education department at the end of the Obama administration as a, as a special advisor working on some of the issues that affect your sector and, uh, and some student loan issues. So the coordination, I think, certainly is there because some of the issues have, have changed and like where Democrats want to go on a, these issues, I think, has, has changed. But also just the alignment of people is, is different. We have found, I'll just say for, for the listeners, first of all, that Michael, I believe in, in my year and a half uh, with, with CQ has always been very fair. He calls for comment. He, he takes into account our, our point of view. So when I ask this question, it's it's not about Michael, but you know I have to ask because our members w- would certainly want me to. Our folks in the proprietary sector are frustrated at times when the media seems to focus on issues that happened a decade or more ago, and it seems like you know again often well timed with whatever happens to be being talked about on Capitol Hill or. In negotiated rulemaking at that moment, there will be a student story, sometimes from 2011, an ITT student, you know, very bad situation, a student that was taken advantage of and and bad things did occur, but it frustrates our schools who are doing the right thing and, and are serving literally tens of thousands of students every day. And they see these same stories come up over and over again. And we've had a lot of difficulty in working with the media and getting the exponentially more positive student stories. Uh, the media doesn't seem to want to focus on that. And I guess I would just ask, what are, are we reading that correctly? What seems to be the issue with, with that? And what advice would you give us in trying to tell those stories and, and having folks in the media be interested in hearing more about the life-changing opportunities that some of these students have received through the proprietary sector than rehashing things that happened a decade or more ago. I guess I'll only speak for myself and my own reporting, but I think sometimes in talking to folks in your sector that people assume that there's an ideological bias. But I think, I mean, we are interested in telling compelling stories and often focus on places where there are where there is tension and, you know, or, or places where there are, are problems more so than where things might be going well. I think that's a, a bias that 
much of the media has. I mean, you, I think the usual analogy is like, you know, my editor doesn't send me to the airport to, to write about all of the planes that successfully took off and landed that day. But of course, we would be there if, if something went wrong. I think sometimes I write about the things that happened during the Obama administration with Corinthian or ITT, for example, because, well, in some cases, there's a, there's a hangover from that that's still active in terms of the, the loan forgiveness of, of students who went to those institutions. But it does, I think, inform the politics. And that's where folks are focused on. I mean, we have this like whiplash of a, you know, the Obama administration took a position on, on these issues. And the Trump administration went almost 180 in the opposite direction. And I, th- I think that back and forth dynamic, recounting that history, I think is important. And, you know, just in terms of my own personal reporting, we don't do that much, uh, you know, reporting on what's happening at the campus level or different practices in the in the field. Some of the other trade publications, I think, do do that with more frequency and put more resources in, into that. We're, I think, focused more on what is happening at the department, on the Hill, and among policymakers or people shaping the policy conversation in Washington. So that's why I focus on on that more so than the other things you're talking about, which is like evaluating a particular program or showcasing some areas where where students are happy or doing well or, or things like that. Yeah, and, and your job is to cover what's happening in Washington. You're a Washington-based reporter. As we talked about, you're covering federal education policy and the politics related to the decision-making and policy-making that goes on on Capitol Hill and in the administration. And we have found our school's educate 8% of students in higher education. So by definition, 92% of the students are in other sectors. But we, in the news coverage, I think it's very fair to say any reasonable person would look at it and say we are a greatly disproportionate share of the news in higher education. We are certainly not 8% of the stories or the news coverage, and often it's it's negative coverage. And I would guess, based upon what you said and just knowing you and, and the work that you do, that that is driven by the fact that we have an administration and a Congress that views the issues related to the proprietary sector as very important to them. And thus, you as a reporter, you're covering what's happening in Washington, and that's going to be disproportionately stories about the proprietary sector because those are the politics of the decision makers at this time. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's not the only, you know, if you're looking at coverage based on enrollment, for example, that's not the only imbalance that you might see. I mean, there are some schools that occupy disproportionate amount of news coverage. You know, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale uh, probably are in headlines way more than the number of people who attend those institutions were, you know, proportionate to, to enrollment there. But I, I, think, I think your point is right that we're, we're reflecting the, the political conversation that's, that's happening in Washington around these issues and where the department, for example, is putting its regulatory focus, where lawmakers on the Hill, how they're deciding to shape legislation in making these 
distinctions. I think that's another thing I hear from some of your members sometimes that I understand that the sector's view is that every people should be the institutions should be treated the same, regardless of their control of the institution. But that is a position and not a universal truth. There, um, you know, Democrats feel for the most part, feel strongly that there should be uh, distinctions made and that the Higher Education Act creates different definitions for different types of institutions and that that's, that's the right approach. So I feel like it's my responsibility as a reporter to cover that as a policy, as a, as a dispute, as a, you know, a political debate, which I think it is, rather than take a position on whether there should be a single definition of an institution of higher education or, the, or whether there should be distinctions according to the type of control. And when you do write about that, I know you know this, but the Higher Education Act does in fact give the authority to the department to hold accountable all institutions and apply those metrics across all sectors of higher education. All students can have the same protections and all schools can have the same accountability measures applied to them under Section 454 of the Higher Education Act. And we have that discussion with the department all the time. They always focus on GE. They selected GE specifically because it does talk about our sector and certificate programs in other sectors. But they ignore the fact that under Section 454, which is much more expansive in scope than the GE measure, they do have the authority. So that's not your issue, I know, and I know you're aware of that, but we do we do have that discussion with the department and with Democrats. Uh, I, I would just wrap, it, it would be interesting to hear, we're about to head into an election uh, in the fall. We're here in the summer, kind of the calm before the storm politically. There are some major, very significant higher education issues that are hanging out there. What, what are you as a reporter gonna be focusing on over the next several weeks? Well, as I'm focusing and this decision on loan forgiveness and loan cancellation, I think will be the the biggest hybrid issue, you know, just certainly in terms of the the numbers, the amount of debt and the number of people it affects. And we'll we'll cover the the fallout from that, whether whatever the president decides uh, ends up, you know, being a, a boost to Democrats at the polls this fall or whether some of the concerns of more moderate Democrats are, are borne out about the effect that that might have. So loan forgiveness is, is one. You know, the other thing that we will watch closely is any change in control of the, the House or maybe the Senate will mean uh, for the leadership of the committees overseeing education. Um, as you know, we'll, you know, we will likely see in either, well, certainly on the Senate side because uh, Senator Burr is retiring. We'll see some change in leadership there. It's a little more up in the air what's going to happen on the on the House side. So, you know, what that new dynamic might look like come January between the department and the congressional committees, obviously it will be a more contentious relationship focused on oversight requests and hearings over much of the, the Biden education agenda if, if Republicans do take one or, or both chambers of, of Congress. Do you have a Twitter or website that you would like folks to know about to follow your work? Sure. My Twitter is M Stratford. You can check out our, our work on Politico at politico.com. I write a lot for Politico Pro, uh, which is our subscription service. And we have a morning email called Morning Education. 
which everybody reads in town. I can tell you that. Michael's very well known. He does a great job at higher education reporting, one of the most prominent journalists in that field in Washington. Michael, we are grateful for you being here today. And that has been Michael Stratford, the senior education reporter for Politico. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Career Education Report. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at career.org and follow us on Twitter at CQED. That's at C-E-C-U-E-D. Thank you for listening.